Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I was joined by Christopher Platt of BlackBerry Radar. Launched in 2016, BlackBerry Radar is an intelligent, secure, and user-friendly asset tracking and monitoring solution. It provides reliable, industry-leading visibility into a range of fleet assets, including trailers, flatbeds, chassis, and intermodal containers utilizing device hardware, a secure communications network, and a dynamic cloud platform. Now, Christopher came on the show and talked to us all about what that means for you and your supply chains, how you can utilize it, what it looks like, and how the data can really give you a competitive advantage. So I hope you enjoyed it. But remember that if you missed it, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com on our YouTube channel or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 358. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Ready to empower the people and improve the processes that grow your business? Esker's AI-driven solutions make it easy by delivering greater speed, strategy, and security across your entire enterprise. Visit Esker.com today and learn why Esker is used by finance, procurement, and customer service leaders around the world as their trusted global cloud platform. Esker transform the way you work. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Before we dive in, I'm going to ask you a question. Today's guest is a veteran, but do you know how many veteran-owned businesses are currently operating in the United States? Let us know your guesses over on social media and keep listening because all will be revealed at the end of the show. So today, I'm excited to welcome an editor, writer, content creator, and veteran to our Woman in Supply Chain series. I'm not sure if there are too many veteran supply chain writers out there. So can you guess who it is? Well, I'll let you know after the poll of the week. So the question that we asked you, what is your forecast for the 2023 peak season? 34% of you said very busy, which is really good because I know we've been hearing about too much capacity. 33% of you said busy as usual, and 32% of you said lighter than normal. These results are pretty interesting because we've been talking about less freight, not enough or too much capacity, and yet we are pretty split on these results. Fred said, if I pick other, it would be to respond very busy as usual. Well, thank you, Fred. And thank you so much to everybody who weighed in on the question of the week. We ask you a question every single Wednesday morning. And uh, so head over there so that uh, you can be part of the conversation on LinkedIn as well as on our Instagram page. So now now back to today's episode and the inspirational woman in supply chain I have with me today is Alexis Mizell Pleasant. Alexis served in the U.S. Navy as an engineer and supervisor in the reactor department engine room on board the USS Ronald Reagan before embracing her passion for writing and pursuing a career in media. 
Benefiting from a diverse resume of communications experience, Alexis is currently managing editor of Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executive Magazines. Today, Alexis will be talking to us about her career so far, her time in the U.S. Navy, and passion for supporting veterans, balancing career success with motherhood, and her take on the supply chain trends to look out for. Plus, she'll be sharing her experiences as a woman in supply chain, as well as her words of advice for everyone following in her footsteps. But of course, this woman in supply chain feature could not be possible without our sponsor. GoFreight is proud to sponsor the Woman in Supply Chain podcast series and blog series, recognizing women's vital role in the industry and the need to highlight their contrib- contributions and experiences. We, they are committed to promoting diversity and inclusion in the supply chain field and are honored to support initiatives that empower and inspire women in their professional journeys. GoFreight is the world's leading cloud-based freight forwarding management system, in addition to its comprehensive core features, including business quoting, ocean and air freight processes, invoicing and payments, accounting and finance. Customers highly favor it for providing a customer-facing platform that meets the needs of freight forwarders and their clients and agents. So go and check them out for more information. Visit gofreight.com. So welcome to the show, Alexis. Hello. Hi, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here. I mean, you're a veteran, writer, editor, content creator, mom. I mean, you have so many layers to you, and that really represents what women, especially women in supply chain, are all about. So I'm looking forward to finding out more about you and sharing with our audience, because I know there's a lot that we can all learn from you. So let's start at the beginning. So talk to us about your early years, because from what I understand, the military runs in your blood and you chose to attend military college. So tell us about that. Why the Citadel? Was the military always just part of your plan for life? None of it was a plan. (laughs) If I can (laughs) say that. I wish it was because it would seem a little bit maybe more strategic, but everything's kind of like crazy. Um, I joined the military because like you said, I do come from a military background. My dad was in the military my grandfather was in the military and he was specifically in the Navy. And that's kind of like what led me to join there versus somewhere else. I thought maybe I could do Marines because my dad was Marines and he was like, absolutely not. There's no way. <laughs> um, so I went for the Navy. Um, my job there was a nuclear engineer. Um, it's called a machinist mate. And I kind of chose that job because my grandfather had the same job and I never heard any other job terms before. So they mm-hmm said that one and I was like oh yeah okay I've heard of that one so I'll go for it um and after the military um I went to had a brief stint at another college um and I found out about the Citadel just from word of mouth because they have a really great veteran program there and I started out I really wanted to study biology because I thought oh that connects to like nuclear like I don't know I'll study some kind of like molecular something Um, But I got recruited by my college to join their English program. And then everything in my writing career kind of just stemmed from there. Um, And it was good for me because a military college like that, granted, I didn't have the same experience as the normal people there because I was a veteran student. So it looks a little different, but it's a lot more structured. And I felt like I needed that structure after the military just to kind of keep me feeling in the norm um, as I transitioned. 
Right. That makes sense. And so how, like, the military and then writing or arts and literature, right? It doesn't seem like they kind of go together. And I believe you studied in London, maybe? Like, talk to us about that. And then, obviously, you've got the social media and PR component. And then something about being on board the USS Ronald Reagan. I mean, take us through this journey. You've done so many incredible things. Yeah, you know, I think my love for communication kind of stems from my experience in the military, just because there was a lack of good communication, you know, leadership in the military can kind of translate into people that seem like they're on the same level as you because you came in at the same time, or maybe you're like around the same age, and then they end up being a leader to you. So you kind of feel some like constraint in that sense that you feel like, wait, they're the same age as me, but they're telling me what to do kind of a thing. Right. Um, And the communication, because we were all so young, kind of lacked in that regard. So I think my love of that started there. Um, When I was on the Reagan, uh, where I worked, because I worked in the nuclear field, it, it's a very sensitive field, obviously, like we're talking about nuclear power. But in general, um, it's very secret. You know, I couldn't tell my family about it. When my family came to visit the ship, they couldn't see where I worked, which was like so hard for me because everyone else is like, look, this is what I do. This is where I work. Like, look at this. And and I was just like, yeah, you see that door over there? You can't go in there, but that's where I work. So Aww. yeah, it's cool. But yeah, um, from there, my love of communication and I've always had kind of a passion for writing and editing and stuff like that, but I never thought that I would do a job with it because mm-hmm. growing up, especially where I grew up in small town, South Carolina, it's like nobody does that kind of job. You right. know, they're more like my husband works in a steel mill, that kind of job. Um, so I just didn't think it was possible. But after leaving the Navy and getting into college and, and kind of opening my eyes to the possibilities, I kind of just ran with it ran all the way to London with it. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> and I and I oh man, that was the best experience. I was there for four months and then ended up going back and forth for like a year just because I just mm. thought it was so amazing. I love their history. Like they don't have we've got such little history here in the US and they have such like a crazy amount of history that I just feel yeah. like you can't you can't learn it all in one sitting. Um, So I got to go back and forth and that was really fun. And I think that also expanded on the communication aspect of what I feel passionate about, because when you go to different places and you experience different types of people, you know, you have to keep that close to you to know that you're connecting with people in the right way. Yeah, yeah. My whole family is uh, from England. So I've been able to travel back and forth once a year since I was 11. That's um, and you're right. You know, there's such rich history there. What were you like? How did you even get the opportunity to go to London? Like, what was that? And what were you actually studying while you were there? Yeah, it was like a, you know, one of those random study abroad programs. Um, but it specifically focused on English. It was for like English majors and stuff like that. And once I got over there, the classes I took, like one of them was like, literary monsters you know it focused on like Frankenstein and like I just thought that was like the coolest thing I'm like what this is cool like this is awesome um and we got to go to like the lakes and see like all different poets who have written there and kind of get like inspiration from that 
to kind of write creatively. Um, and it was an incredible experience. Incredible. Amazing. Amazing. And it's, it's crazy to think what you can do when you look into the different opportunities and the different um, programs and things like that, that you can do. So I don't know how long ago that was, but last year you joined AC Business Media and you're now managing editor at Supply and Demand Chain Executive and Food Logistics Magazines. So talk to us about the years between London and getting the job with AC Business Media um, and talk to us about how the opportunity came about to go and work with them. Like, did you know much about supply chain before you started the role? Yeah, <clears throat> I like to say that I didn't know supply chain, but I wasn't unaware of supply chain, if that okay. makes sense. That does. Um, because, like I said, my husband works in the nuclear or nuclear field. He works in the um, steel industry. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of had that tether. Okay. But as far as getting my current job, no, I had absolutely no idea. I was just throwing out resumes. I'm like, editor, writing, social media, something like that. Okay, yeah, sure. I'll. I'll throw out a resume. And prior to that, um, I had a stint of like a year or two years um, where I was at home with my first child. Okay. And before that, um, I worked for a local nonprofit as like a marketing manager and stuff like that. So awesome. yeah, none of it connects at all. But <laughs> it all led me <laughs> to the best industry that I know. So uh -huh. it worked out. That's awesome. And so um, it was really just a matter of putting out those resumes, right? I mean, a lot of us get dis discouraged, you know, we're putting out a yeah. lot out there. But I think your story, even though it doesn't necessarily connect, it shows how you did grab opportunities by the reins and mm -hmm. take full advantage of the opportunities and make it into the life that you wanted to live. Right. 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 And I think that's really, really important. I think a lot of people are looking for that right now. It's not necessarily what it's looked like for your parents, because it's very different, right? Your parents, mm -hmm. my parents, um, to what your life's journey that includes a career could look like. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. And connecting those experiences, like, yeah. like we said, none of those things on my resume look like they connect or go together. But then if you start to dissect, like, what are the basics of each thing? Mm -hmm. Communication, good leadership, interested in, in writing, and um, all of that kind of goes together and kind of push me down this path where I am today. Amazing. So you have a lot of responsibilities, right? Across writing, awards, social media. What does a day in your life look like? Oh, man, it's a lot of emails. <laughs> is the not so fun part. And then the awesome part is getting to look for stories, um, sit down and write things. You know, I, especially someone new to the field, I feel like I'm constantly learning and I want to, because if I see a topic in supply chain that I'm like, oh, I've never heard of that before. I want to hunt down the expert. I want to figure it out for myself. And that's even before I put it in writing for other people right. to read, you know? And so I feel like that's a big part of the job that I love. And then on the flip side, getting to connect with people through our awards programs and like our women in supply chain forum event, all of that stuff kind of culminates and makes the job interesting every single day. 
Yeah. And you mentioned that like as somebody who's relatively new to the space, you have to do a lot of research. What did you, what do you think about it? Because I had a really interesting conversation with a founder at Home Delivery World. He came from the fintech space. He knew nothing about supply chain before he founded this particular business. And it really allowed him to see the industry from a completely different angle. So what's mm-hmm. your perspective? And as an industry, do we need to be more proactive with seeking out maybe fresh pairs of eyes, what do you think? Absolutely, a hundred percent. Because all of everyone's walk of life kind of brings something new. Because we all know supply chain. Like we might even not, we might not know that we know supply chain, but we know supply chain. We're ordering things, we're getting packages, we're shopping online, we're we're doing all the things to get the things, but yeah. we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. So I think it's easy for people to connect it to. Um, things that they know really fast, mm-hmm. but having a fresh set of eyes, somebody who is eager to learn about it, I think helps dig out those spider webs and cobwebs that, of things we might have forgotten about. Yeah. And you you talk to a lot of people. You have conversations every single day with thought leaders, heads of industry, innovators, Working in media is really exciting. And I know this, right? Because you get to see the headlines and talk to people behind them. So I want the inside scoop from you. What are some of the trends we need to look out for in the next year or so, do you think? There's so much. There's so much changing. And I and from not being here prior to last year and, and really honing in and understanding supply chain, I feel like I hear this term about change and everything that's changed post-COVID. And right. I don't know what it looked like before then, but I can kind of just start decipher it from what I see and the people I talk to. But I think it it's obviously technology is going incredible. It's incredible what we're doing now with like chat GPT and all of these other mm-hmm. AI tools and how those things influence and affect supply chain, I think is one really interesting thing we have to pay attention to because it is going to affect not only the consumer, but also the people behind the scenes working in in logistics and being able to either use those tools um, to help them or just to be mindful of those tools when other people are using them is kind of something that I see um, moving in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, technology is definitely changing the way that we think about things, the way that we're doing things. I think it is a good thing. Um, I think the confusion just kind of lies with there's so many different options out there. Where do we start? Do we have the right people to be able to take a look at those opportunities in the right ways that are going to help our organizations, right? Right. And so talking about your journey, moving from the Navy to supply chain, what has your experience as a woman been like? And do you see any similarities between the two worlds? I do. Um, Specifically where I worked in the military, it was all men. I was the only female in my space where I worked in the engine room. And, And that was it was a shock to me because I didn't know that about the field necessarily going into it. I mean, I could imagine, I mean, I knew the statistics of like military is mostly men, but specifically right. where I worked, I had no clue that I was going to have to adapt to that kind of environment. And when I look at supply chain, I think supply chain and logistics and trucking and things like that really aren't pushed towards women. So they become heavily male influenced. Mm. And I can see the parallel between those as far as women trying to break into this space and kind of 
find their voice among a different demographic. And that's something that I had to experience in the military as well. And I've seen so many powerful women in this space that do use their voice like mm-hmm. you who yeah. speak up and, and, and use their platform um, to kind of advocate, especially for other women who, who might not be ready to do those types of things. Well, and let's talk about your work in Women in Supply Chain. I mean, I don't think we could do this episode without that because no. Supply and Demand Chain are co-presenting sponsor on our Women in Supply Chain series, um, yeah. which we're super excited about the partnership. Um, talk to us about the award because you're heavily involved in that. And then talk to us about the forum. Why did you guys decide to do the Women in Supply Chain uh, forum and award? And one thing that I do want to say is that I'm so excited about this collaboration because I've been talking for years about the fact that there's so many initiatives out there for women in supply chain that we sort of pull people in different directions. And I wanted to see more collaboration. And so when supply and demand chain was like, yes, we want to collaborate, you know, we see each other as partners, not competitors or anything like that. I just love that. And I'm so excited for this partnership. So talk to us about the awards, the forum, why it's so important. How did it come up? Um, and it's really popular. Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait to see what this year looks like. But I know from last year, <clears throat> my experience, you know, it's grown exponentially mm. over the past year, not just the award, but also the forum um, coming to life and kind of starting something new. But the award itself is really there to highlight those women that are making changes, are taking initiative, are some of them are being loud, some of them are being quiet. But whatever it is they're doing is making an impact and making a difference. And people are noticing. And that's why they're nominating or even nominating themselves. I'm I'm so proud of the yes. women who I see that nominate themselves. I'm like, wow, you go, girl. Like, mm-hmm. put your name in there. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So I think having that space for women to feel appreciated in their job is so important. And then that's kind of where the forum comes in to kind of act as a as a battleground for us all to come together and have discussions and have open dialogue to promote women further. And I know last year we kind of touched on the fact that men weren't really there. And I'm hoping this year we'll have some more men attend because at the end of the day, you need that um, added component of men to advocate for women as well, especially like we said, in a, in a workforce that might be male dominated. Yeah. And so that forum is happening November 14th and 15th in Atlanta. So if you don't have your tickets yet, because this is September, you probably want to get your tickets very, very soon. And I will be there and you will be there and so many amazing people will be there. So I cannot wait to connect with everybody. Now, another another, uh, part of your journey as a veteran, I know it's important to you to support other veterans. And we've talked about this topic a couple of times on Blended. But from your perspective, why is it so important that we do more to support veterans? And do you have any tips on what organizations can do when it comes to things like hiring practices or supporting veteran-owned businesses? Absolutely. Yeah. So when you leave the military, you know, this whole time that you've been serving, you've had all this support. It's kind of like, you know, what they say, Uncle Sam is taking care of you. You feel supported in every way. And then when it comes time for you to leave, it's kind of just like, here, take this 
TAPS program is what they call it, where they basically tell you like how to transition, but give no real resources to do that. No mm. kind of investigating like what you're interested in, what right. what um what jobs might be applicable to what you did in the military. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of fall off whenever they leave the military. They have no idea how to translate, you know, working on um a helicopter to like working in, you know, uh, um, a space with a computer, you know, it's just a totally different world. So I think as businesses start to look in the hiring process, if they see a veteran who maybe has skills that might meet their needs, but maybe doesn't have the experience, I say, reach out to them, Mm -hmm. ask them, you know, why are you interested in this? And then how can your experiences in the military translate well in whatever space they're trying to get into. And I think that would help them, one, feel comfortable with the transition, and two, be able to kind of conceptualize where they're going next. Yeah, the transferable skills, right? I mean, no matter what we're doing, we have transferable skills. And so we might not have experience in that particular industry, but that is knowledge. You know, you can bring that knowledge uh, and help train that individual in that particular industry. But there's transferable skills that I think sometimes get really missed in the hiring process that Mm -hmm. are really invaluable and actually can probably even bring more success to that particular uh, position as well. So I'm glad you said that. Absolutely. Yeah. And and people forget that there are just those basic things that, and even if they're not, even if they're super, super specialized, you have to think about the experience and knowledge that goes into that. Like, no, what I do today has nothing to do with nuclear power or nuclear engineering right. in any way, but kind of the dedication I put into that, I feel like translates into the job I have now. Mm-hmm. And so from conversations that you and I have, you say that you're a mom first, and that's the case for a lot of women out there. But often, you know, we're struggling to have the right conversations about the, about the realities of how motherhood impacts work life. I've also talked about this on Blended as well from not only a motherhood perspective, but a parenthood perspective. So what's your perspective? How do you strike the balance? It's hard. It's really hard, you know, especially today. I like to say that we're close in communication, like through online, but we're so distant in person. Um, So I think a lot of moms feel isolated, even if they do, whether they work or not. You know, even for me, I work from home and I've had to kind of find a balance of feeling like a normal human being who Mm -hmm. just sits in her office, in her house and works. Um, Sometimes it can feel really isolating. And then add on top of that, I'm trying to juggle my kids and you know today especially with like sicknesses and covid and all the stuff that's happened you know it's hard to get um child care if you have young kids and trying to balance that in itself mm. is is a real task but having a co- working for a company that understands that and is respectful of that and and kind of looks at you as a mother you know it's not your definer but it's a part of you and it's going to affect how you work and what kind of employee you are. So having that understanding from others, I think is, Mm -hmm. is really huge. Well, I think the communication component too, right? Yeah. Like you have to be able to communicate for yourself and advocate for yourself on what exactly you need. And that's going to change 
going to change over time. It's going to change as they grow, right? And they transition into maybe playing sports or different things like that. Um, but it's also communication on your employer's side as well, right? Here's what we expect. We know we can't put you inside of a box, which we shouldn't really be doing anymore anyways. Um, but we do expect a response back from you maybe within a, a reasonable amount of time frame, so that we know you're working and, you know, we really need, because I think response times, right? When there's many people working on a project or many people working within an organization is really, I think, where the communication breaks down. Mm -hmm. And um, it makes it harder on everybody, whether you're a mother or not, you're the boss or whatever that is, having those boundaries, setting those expectations, having the communication around what is happening today and what do we need from you? And do we actually need it by five o'clock or can we get it by nine o'clock tomorrow morning? Because you may want to work at eight o'clock at night because that is, you know, when you want to do your work. And so right. I think a big part of that is communication on both sides. Having that flexibility too, to be yeah. able to say like, let's lay out your work day and let's figure out when you're doing what and how that correlates to other things that are going on is, yeah. is so important for any yeah. parent, not just, not just mothers. Yeah. Well, yeah, for anybody really. And you talked about isolation. I mean, I'm a stepmom. Um, I do not have little kids. <laughs> But I work from home and there are some days where I'm like, I need to talk to somebody. I need to see somebody. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I think we all feel it in a variety of different ways. And I think we can be there for each other. You know, whether you're a mom or not, or we can just be a, an ear or a person uh, that somebody might need in that particular moment. So I saw on LinkedIn that you recently put together some research on supply chain certifications. What's your take on education in the sector and the next generation coming into it? Do you have maybe any advice, particularly for women looking to enter the industry and really climb the ranks? Yeah, you know, even myself, just because I, I do love education so much, you know, I spent so many years getting educated. Um, I have a master's degree and that was an added thing that I definitely did not need to do, but I was right. like, yeah, why not? Um, so I love anything that can give me more knowledge about whatever it is going on. And specifically for me, I was looking at supply chain certifications, not just for my job. I needed to make that, but also for myself, from from my perspective as someone who's coming into the the space mm -hmm. and maybe wants to get that knowledge, that written knowledge, that book knowledge, if you will, because so many, I mean, all of us get hands-on knowledge, right? And a lot of people learn great that way. But when you can read something on paper and kind of get the outline and the, the nitty gritty and then go apply that is when I think those skills really start to yeah. become honed. Um, so for women specifically, I say get get mentors, get mentors that are men. Get someone who you work closely with or, or maybe you're going to work closely with if you're breaking into the industry that can kind of help guide you a little bit. And maybe even just something as simple as like listening to their story, just like how we're doing right now, figuring out how they got there and what they did to get there kind of gives you an idea. OK, well, this could be a route I take or maybe I should do something different. Um, and I think that helps. And getting those little certifications is always an added bonus. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on the board for the Forum for International Trade Training, and um, I got my designation, but now they have workshops, right? They mm -hmm. have workshops, they have the um, certifications, 
they have the designation. So there's different levels, I think, that a lot of associations and organizations are offering, um, which helps, right? Because I think at different points in our life, we have different amounts of time that we can dedicate to certain things, but you still want to get that knowledge and you still want to see what else is out there. And you don't know what you don't know unless you try. And so I think that's really, really good advice. I think certifications are good. Obviously, I'm on the board of uh, FIT. Um, But I also think that your advice around mentorship, the one thing that I would say around that, though, is that if you are going to ask somebody for their time, just make sure that you're going to put in the effort as well. Because a lot of times, you know, I get asked to do that and I'll give them a task. I'll ask them a question. I'll give them a task. They don't do it. And then it's like, I want to invest my time in you, but I need to know that you're going to invest time for this. Right. It's like a partnership, you know, throughout. Yeah. 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 So finally, then I can't believe we're at the end here, but what's next on your journey? What are we going to see on the horizon for you? Oh, the world is my oyster, as they say. (laughs) Um, You know, I... I just want to continue to grow in this industry and and learn. I know we've talked a lot about learning in this, but really, I as someone who is new is still learning. I still have that fire to learn, and I know one day it might it might burn out a little bit, it might dim a little bit as most people do, but still being in this like fresh space, I want to continue that passion to learn more about supply chain and do better at my job. And I absolutely love what I do now. And I find the industry so interesting. You know, there's never a dull moment. There's never like a moment where I'm like, oh, this is boring. No, it's not boring at all. And I think people find that like amusing. They're like, supply chain sounds boring. But I'm like, no, you don't understand until you're in it. (laughs) It's not at all. So, um, yeah, there's there's so much and, and I can't wait to be a part of it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I can't wait to see what is next for you. I talk quite often on the show about exploring what you're good at and trying different things. And it doesn't get much more different than naval officer and magazine editor. But Alexis has done both. And she really is proof that women have choices. We can explore different avenues, have different passions. And that joy is found in embracing the journey, not the destination. So did you have a guess at today's big question? Well, at the top of the show, I asked you how many veteran-owned businesses are currently operating in the United States? Well, according to the U.S. Small Business Administration's Office of Advocacy, veterans own almost 2 million businesses and employ over 5 million Americans. They're a thriving segment of the U.S. economy. So remember to keep listening for more questions, keep engaging and reaching out on social media because we love to hear from you. Alexis, thank you so much for coming on the show, being authentic and sharing your journey with us today. Thank you. Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale 
Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. Remember to keep listening for more questions, keep engaging and reaching out on social media because we love to hear from you. And if you'd like to hear more from us at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com. Um, to check out the latest. And remember, if you have a supply chain challenge, we've most likely had the solution on our show. So you can use the search bar or some of our tags and filters to find some of the content that can help you um, really see who's out on the market and who can help you with that challenge. And remember to come back next week when I'm going to be joined by Lee Newitt, president and CFO at DCLI. DCLI, of course, stands for Direct Chassis Link Inc. And they are the largest provider of marine and domestic container chassis to the U.S. intermodal industry. So we are going to be talking about rates, tracking, safety, all of those key issues for carriers, shippers, and cargo owners. And there will be something in this episode for everyone. So make sure you don't miss it. If you enjoy our show, there's a few ways to support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. We're also over on TikTok. You can subscribe to Let's Talk Supply Chain on YouTube and subscribe to our newsletter at letstalksupplychain.com. You can also find some really cool merch for that supply chainer in your life uh, at letstalksupplychain.com under shop. And if you sign up for our newsletter on the website, you get a supply chain dictionary for free. It's 175 pages of all of the acronyms uh, that we use in the industry, because there are a lot of them. Plus, we are just, we have just launched the Secret Society of Supply Chain. Now it's three membership groups. So there is a group for everybody listening. Now, the Supply Chainers group is full of exclusive content that you are not going to find anywhere else. And there's a really great way to be able to network with your peers in supply chain. The other one is the Woman in Supply Chain monthly meetup group. And we have two fabulous facilitators. You are not going to want to miss being a part of this group. It's for professional and personal development, and you're going to meet every month and create some really great connections. Now, third, we've got the creative room, which is for marketing professionals in supply chain. I'm going to be hosting that one. We're going to have experts, potential clients, so many different things for you as a marketing professional in supply chain to sink your teeth into and increase your ROI. So head over to letstalksupplychain.com. Take the quiz, join the waitlist as we are launching groups um, sporadically and we'll let you know when we are ready for you, but do not miss out on this particular opportunity. And remember, if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.